Who would have thought that five minutes into the first quarter of the West Coast game, Collingwood season would now hang on a knife edge? No Travis Cloak for the next few weeks, and all of a sudden the forward line looking a lot less potent than it did prior to this rather ordinary month of games. Where do we go from here? And what does the future hold for us? Will we come into this Bulldogs game with our heads held high or will there be the same sort of mournful listlessness that we experienced in the back half of last year? Joining me once again after a bit of a hiatus to have a chat about it, Gone Critical, welcome. Thank you very much. Have you, uh, have you been keeping abreast of all the, uh, the Collingwood news in your yeah, time away? I've been, I've been trying, to, trying to stay up with it. I haven't, haven't, has been, haven't been completely up to it, but uh, I think the last time we did discuss the, the, the prospects of four losses has come to fruition, and as honourable as they are, they're not what we wanted. <laughs> I, hate, I hate the words honourable loss. I really yeah, do. Yeah, it's good for describing teams like Richmond who never succeed. But for us, I think it's something that that, that really that really sticks with me. Magpie girl, welcome this evening. How are you? Hi, Marty T. I'm good, thank you. Did you end up getting down to the game last week? I did. I stayed to the bitter end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was well, it was not an enjoyable game to watch. How is Eddie Hart these days? Because I refuse to venture down there. I hate Eddie Hart. Yeah. A vengeance. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't like watching the team play there. I. I. I don't like the way the ball bounces. I don't like the surface. I. I just. It's cold. It's. I just don't like anything about it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and 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 it always frustrates me that we have to play. Our two, our two home games there, and it's always against two interstate sides, and it mitigates any advantage we have in Melbourne. And it's it's a frustrating place to go and play football. But to be honest, I don't think the ground or the surface or the stadium cost us a win last week. Um, I think that in a lot of ways we kind of did that ourselves. GC, you, you watched the game, with the exception of obviously the big thing was the cloak injury, and that's the big news to come out of it. But what were your thoughts on the game other than that? Uh, look, I think the, the the thing that stood out for me was I think in the pre uh, look I missed the Port Adelaide game, but the the other weeks we looked very competitive and we looked we looked not out of our depth. We looked like a young team, but who was very much taking it up to the opposition. Whereas the West Coast game looked like we were still trying, but we looked well out of our depth and we had looked more like they were keeping us in it by their bad kicking. Yep. So it was it was disappointing. I think I think we really took a downward step from our previous performances. Look, without, I was without putting the Port Adelaide game in because I didn't see it. Look, I was I was openly and, and um, yeah, very vocally critical of our coaching staff, especially in the first quarter of the Port Adelaide game. Um, I know you haven't seen it, but if you get the chance to go back, the concern I had going in was Port's on an emotional high. They're going to come out, hit us hard. Maybe we should have one behind the ball, two behind the ball. Team selection was a bit ordinary, you know, rah rah. It's almost seen from the West Coast game. We started with one or two behind the ball and looked to cause a stalemate early. Mm. And all those plans went directly out the window with Cloak limping off in the first quarter. Um, and we, we, just let, we just looked, you know, toothless in attack. Yeah, yeah. Well, no Elliot, no Cloak. I mean, that. and then Jesse White. Jesse White is, a, is, you know, a reasonable third forward. He's not a second forward, but he's been functioning as that. Put him into the first forward role. And it was just a, you know, he's just not that player. 
it was so frustrating to watch um, and to see how static the ball movement was. I, I actually don't think that we did. You know, I've watched a fair bit of West Coast this year and the way that they zoned and press and um, sort of harass the flank and, and swarm around is, is yeah, it's been a good brand of football. And I think we were counteracting it good with you know quite well. Sorry, with uh, with some uh, precision kicking, but as I said, we just didn't look like we had enough questions to ask West Coast. Mm. Um, the only thing is that they, when really they, they blew it, you know, they could have blown us away a couple of times. The, only, the one thing I did like is that at times, especially I think in the second and third quarter, we got on top where we could have, you know, if we'd stolen a march on them, people might have said, well, they should have been further in front, but we could have almost got a two or three goal lead if we'd really converted a bit better. Yeah. And then that would have flipped the pressure around. So we weren't completely out of it, but we did rely on them playing badly at the end of the day, I think. I mean, for so much of the game, we were only eight points behind, but it yep. always felt like they were four goals in front. It was a yep. weird sort of feeling. Hmm. I think yeah. it was because they had those shots at goal that they should have got, really. You know? Well, they should have, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just never felt like we were going to um, close that gap anymore. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I was pretty pleased with the way that we kept it tight for a for a fair portion of the game. Um, and look, overall, if we look at that game in isolation, it probably wasn't as bad a performance as, let's say, the first quarter of the poor game. But it is one of those things where you know we we, we now have to reflect on the on the last four weeks. You know, we, we knew coming into it it'd be tough. Four losses now in a row, um, and. Now we're sort of up against it because we still have to win four or five more games to, to play finals. So the question now becomes what's the priority for the group? With Cloak out for the next couple of weeks, it seems like a good opportunity for someone like Darcy Moore to come in and play some consistent football. But is it still reasonable now to expect finals from this group given our position at the moment? Um, look, I'm leaning against it at the moment because I, I think we have hit the wall a bit and I'm really a bit worried about the doggies match this week. But I think if, if we can knock over the doggies, then I think we're back to more likely than not. Um, and I, that's why I think, I, look, I, I think we've lost experience because even Jamie Elliott, not hugely experienced, but experienced relatively, cloaky, big experience. I think Darcy, I'd, I'd really like to see Carnesis play this week and get, yeah. A bit of a chance. A slight, he's, I know he hasn't played a lot of football in the first, but he's a bit older. Yeah. And I'd like to – we just need – a gold sacker even, but he's been there maybe out too long. But we, I think we just need experience at the moment. And we'll, we'll, we'll touch on, we'll touch on um, next week's game a bit uh, in a few minutes. But the name you bring up there, Carnesis, becomes, you know, he becomes a really, really – interesting factor while Cloak is away because he's played his best football, I think, as a third key tall. Mm. And I'd you know, I'd like to see him just remain in the front third of the ground. I think we've wasted his his skills on a wing because it doesn't play to his advantage. His advantage is his ball smarts, not his aerobic capacity. So if he was to come in and play in that forward third of the ground, I think he can make a real impact. There's no reason why we shouldn't beat the Bulldogs. There, there really isn't, even if Cloak is missing. Despite the fact that they've played some good football, we should be able to get on top. But I think you're right. I think there is this thing where we've had four intense weeks in a row where we have thrown a lot at the wall. Um, and 
psychologically it could be affecting the players now that we haven't gotten a win. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think um, I think from the Carnese's point of view, you know, we need to find out about him. Now, I think this is almost the ideal time in some ways to bring him in and give him a bit of a run at it and say, show us what you can do because we need to know. He's one of the guys we need to know about. Is he is he going to be part of the future? Can he offer something? Um, yes, we should give the... I just worry that the last four weeks of... Have, it does have a bit of deja vu of last year. How much has it flattened us? And are we going to come out after really putting up four pretty strong efforts, especially those first two efforts? And have we spent all our pennies, you know, because if you keep losing, it becomes demoralising. And yeah. just wonder what the mood of the group is. This is the biggest chance he will get, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really, yeah. Well, there, there, are, there are two names that have come under the torch this past week. Seedsman, who in a lot of people's minds didn't deserve the call-up to begin with um, on the back of not a lot of great VFL form and some pretty average AFL form too. Um, didn't have the best game. And the other one that people were a bit critical of was Jared Blair. Um, he did come on as the sub and maybe didn't have the impact you'd expect from uh, someone like him to have, who you know, played 100 games experience to have um, over the course of essentially four quarters of football. Those two guys... Cop the main brunt, I think, of the the frustration last week. How did you see the two of them? And because their their position in the side, um, you know, is is I wouldn't say precarious, but they're they're two guys that could easily be surpassed by two of the younger guys coming through. Yeah, uh, Seedsman, I'd say I've got. I think Seedsman's got potential, and I think I think the biggest thing stopping him in a way is he's had you know he had that hip injury at the start of this season. His last preseason was a write off. He's had. You know, people forget how much losing a whole pre-season sets you back. Yep. Especially for a younger player, they really struggle to catch up. And I think that these two seasons for Seedsman have been a bit of a write-off. So I've I've still got time for him. I still think I'm not I'm not surprised that he's struggling this year, but I want to see what he does with a full pre-season under his belt. So I think this season a bit of a write-off. Blairy, I've always been a fan of, but I'm happy. The day Blairy gets tipped out is the day. We've got better players than him coming through, and I'm not worried by that. But I think his drop-off in form in the last few weeks coincides with a defensive forward in a team that keeps losing. He's a bloody hard job to do, and his stats and things have dropped off a bit. But I think that's as much to do with when the team's playing well, he'll get more stats. When the team's playing badly, he'll struggle because he won't get the same opportunities. I think his output's pretty similar to what it's been all year when you factor that in. I don't think he's, you know, I'm ready for him to be tipped out when the younger players force him out, but I still think he's part of the 22 at the moment. Yeah, and look, and those are both very fair points because at the end of the day, you know, you can't really be for you can't really afford to put lines through players' names at this point of the season, especially when they're a as talented as someone like Seedsman is, and b as experienced as someone like Jared Blair is. The other thing, the other thing I always look. I always look at Blair because I think he's he's almost his alter ego in a way is Puopolo from Hawthorne because yep. they're both almost the same player. Yeah. But I think Puopolo, no one dreams about dropping him out of Hawthorne, but his stats are even this season almost exactly the same. In fact, Blair is just a little bit better. Yep. But yep. one's playing in a hugely successful side, which makes his job easy and he always looks good because he doesn't ever get exposed. And one's in a team that struggles at times, so he's the first bloke that gets exposed. But 
you, Blair can play a role in a successful Collingwood team as long as he's because he's a, he's a, he's a role player. He, he can perform a role, but if someone can do his role better, all oh, that's great. But he can still be part of our next successful team. Yeah, I think I think you said it right. I think there's certainly a role for him. Um, it just all depends on, as you say, the team around. Um, but look, I, I think the, uh, the the AFL game we'll get to in a second. I want to just switch our attention to VFL this week. We've put ourselves in a pretty good position now. Eight wins, four losses, and we're sitting in seventh. We play the sixth-place team in Casey. Um, a few names that really – well, one you'd like to stand out um, is Sharon Berg in terms of his uh, position, you know, not, not so much within the team, but obviously the, with his opportunity to try and get into the AFL squad at some point in the year. Um and Ben Reed making his return, if I am reading this team correctly, what should we be expecting um, from a guy like Reed now? Because realistically, there is still time for him to come into the side. Uh, but what are your expectations now of, of, of Ben Reed at the moment? Ben Reed's a bonus, I think, at the moment. You know, if he he's not someone we'd factor in, but we've still got we're still open to the possibility that he does stay injury-free, and if he gets three or four VFL games in injury-free and you can tip him into the AFL side at the end of the year and he stays fit, then that's a massive, you know, a massive bonus for us, especially I, I'd like to see Cloak, Cloak and Reed, and even Jesse White to see what he can do with Reed there. So I think Reed, Reed, Reed's a bonus, but if he comes up, he's a massive bonus. Yeah. And, and if he doesn't, then we look to 2016 with crossed fingers, but He's still going to be so a bonus whenever he gets back. Throw him in and and let him do his running around in the AFL instead of the VFL. No, I, I, I hear people say that, but I just think that to me that doesn't make sense. If he's not getting through VFL, yeah. it's like saying, well, if he blows up, blow up him in the big time. I think yeah. I think yeah. we've got to be a bit smarter than that. I think I think you you've got to ease him back in. A guy like him, he's, he's still a valuable commodity. You don't just say, you know blow up if you do you just got to, I think you've got to give him three quarters you can't play him three quarters in the AFL you can't say to a bloke we're going to take you off at three quarter time it's it's the VFL to start with for him and ease him back and get the fitness up I guess I guess what you were talking about with with cloak was kind of where I was coming from initially with the question because even if he gets a couple of games through the VFL and that's just, that's the route we decided to bring him in and everything goes well fingers crossed he and Cloak would probably be returning to the side at the same time. If, if we if we if we assume that we go on and we win the Bulldogs game this week and you win the Melbourne game, we're two we're two weeks down the track. There's a game in Sydney coming up, and both of these guys are fit and available. Does it cause too much potential disharmony um, this late in the season to to change a forward line structure up that much? Uh, potentially on the precipice of, of finals. Not not for Reed and Cloak compared to. White and more. Yeah. You know, if they're available and fit and ready to go, you play them. Ah, absolutely, absolutely makes sense to me. Absolutely makes sense to me. Let's switch our attention to, to this week now. The Bulldogs, um, both what us and them. Shazza? Are we going to do Shazza? Shazza? <laughs> Sharonberg. We can talk about Sharonberg if you like. Um, well, I, I'm interested because I've missed the last few VFL games. I'm not, I know Magpie Girl has probably been down. Uh, I've missed the last two as well. The, um, the thing, the thing that Frankston and I'm intrigued is his stats are okay. Is he hitting? Is he? A, 
because he was he was definitely holding back. He's definitely not had the confidence. In the time I've been away, I really want to know: is he now full pelt at the contest? Is he is he throwing himself in? Because I think until he is, I'm happy for him just to hold back. Yeah, from everything that I've seen in terms of the replays, he still looks like he's not he's not the player that I watched at under eighteen level. Mm. And it's yeah, I think Vicky Park said the same thing that. You know, she still doesn't feel he's ready. Yeah. The, 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 concern, the, the concerning thing for me about Sharonberg is if he doesn't get on the park this year and doesn't have that confidence in his body and can't earn an AFL shot, and these AFL games need to be earned, um, he is a player that is out of contract. He is a player that has so much rumour and innuendo surrounding him um, being homesick and, and wanting to go back and play in South Australia. The concern is being two years removed from being a number six draft pick with no AFL experience to show for it. In terms of a from a from a club perspective, we are looking out for the best interest of the player. You know, it, it, it can't be it can't be good for his psyche to to have sat on the sidelines for so long, not broken into the team. Um, and you can understand his reasoning for potentially feeling a bit disenchanted with football in Melbourne. But do you really think he is? I mean, he, he has had that injury and he he is trying to regain that much fitness. Yeah. I mean, look, back if I go, I mean, I, 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 wish I, I wish I knew the guy and I wish I could, you know, comment on it firsthand. Um, I know that if I put myself in his shoes and and I, and I miss the amount of football I had um, and... and Again, the, 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 there's obviously a mental barrier there. If, you know, if he's not hitting the contest the way he used to, you know, there could, they could, you know, there could be any number of things playing on his mind. And when you add them all together, it could come. You could just come to a conclusion to say, right, maybe a move is best for me. And I'm not saying that's what the line of thinking is, but I just wonder. I just wonder what the consequences would be. Not the consequences, but what the result would be if, come the end of the year, he hasn't played a senior game for one reason or another. Um, how he then considers his options or his position at the club. Yeah, but it's in, it is intriguing. I mean, he's he's not the commodity he once was. Um, yeah. As as unpalatable as it sounds, the other the other thing that sometimes happens with a guy that's essentially lost almost two years of development in a way is that. He does. He is no longer the player he once was, and maybe he never turns out yeah. to be. So that's the other thing that just niggles at the back of my mind when I watch him. So yeah. maybe you aren't going to. Maybe this is going to cull what you were going to be. And you know, yeah. the other thing, if he went home and you got say say you got number twenty draft pick for him, yeah. you might actually have won that negotiation from where he is now. But I know that's I mean, not a very palatable thought. I mean, if you had a, if you had a bargaining position with a with a, with a South Australian club where you could even pick out, like let's say, you know, for argument's sake, a guy like Ollie Wines wants to come back to Melbourne, which has been rumoured for a while, and you could orchestrate a trade for Ollie Wines, there could be an argument that you win the trade automatically based on, you know, what Ollie Wines has shown up to this point, his potential, what he gives to the club in the immediate future and the long term future, etc. It's it, it, look. It, it is interesting. Look, the thing is, I remember watching Tom Swift a few years ago, who um, was a mm, West Coast yeah. player. Under 16s yeah. was, you know, I think he had 130 touches in three games at the Carnival, and was the most incredible midfield you've ever you've ever seen. Three ACLs later, um, he still went top 20 in the draft, but just couldn't make it work. 
Yeah. Well, that, uh, Tom, I think Tom Swift's an absolute perfect example of these kids that are super, super, you know, Bo Mustin, all these kids that mm. do knees and some of them get back, but some of them never get back because it's a, there's a mental aspect to it. And that's yeah. what worries me watching Sharon Berg. I just think at the moment, mentally, he's not the player he was, even though he can't be the player he was because he's, yeah. he's just not playing like that. And, you know, while we all hope he gets it back, it, it's possible that he doesn't. And that's and and that's and that's exactly right. I, I certainly hope he does get to the point where he can play a high level AFL football. And as a you know, as another human being, whether that's a Collingwood or not, I, I want him to succeed because yeah, I, you know I, I'd hate yeah. to see I hate to see anyone fail um, at, at the because of injury. Freeman's in the same boat. Fre- Freeman almost is in a worse position. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, he hasn't touched a football essentially in two years. Yeah. You know, save a few VFL games, um, and I, I and I'd love to know what's going on in his head because he, he's he, in every interview I've seen he's a very confident kid. But to have the preseason he did and not be able to come out and have an impact, and again psychologically, our two top draft picks from last year have both debuted in Dugowie and more. Dugowie looks to be a fixture mm. now. You know, can these you know what does it do for the for these kids seeing these other guys come in? It, well, if you, went to, yeah, if you went to the trade table with Dugowie and Moore versus Scharenberg and Freeman, you know, it would be nothing like it. The bargaining for the first two, you'd get massive results. Yeah. And for Scharenberg and Freeman, you wouldn't get that much now. For Scharenberg right now, you might get a, an army of two teams because everyone might be worried that he wants to go home. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Look, well, we'll I do to, see my boy Sammy Dwyer's back. Named again for oh, yeah. this week. Well, I was waiting for you to bring that up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I never forgot. <laughs> that's a not, that's a nice little segue into this week's game, mate. Pug Girl. Thank you for that. Uh, yes, Sammy Dwyer in the extended lineup, uh, along with Darcy Moore, Patrick Carnesis, and Tyson Goldsack, who you'd think would be an obvious inclusion if fit completely. The one out, obviously, Travis Cloak. Biggest game of the year. Um, and we've said it now three weeks in a row or four weeks in a row, but I think this is maybe legitimately the biggest game of the year for us. We, we really missed Goldsack, I reckon. I know he's not popular either, but uh, we've missed his his um, hardness at the ball down there on the back line. Oh, look, I, I, to an extent I think I agree with you, Magpie Girl, but I will say that the best part of our last four weeks has been our defence. And against the quality of opposition we've had, they have performed exceedingly well and above my expectations. Yeah. Um, so I, I come up the ground, can't you? I mean, I know they all come up the ground a bit, like Langdon and that, but um, but you know he's a good mark and uh, a strong player. I think we've missed. I think we've missed that strength that he gives the team. There's, obvi- there's obviously a big void, and that that's a big. You know, hundred kilo, one ninety six centimetre Titan at centre half forward, um, who's now going to be replaced probably by um, a nineteen year old uh, clone of Nick Rewalt. So, what sort of impact is that going to have on the forward line structure? I think we've all fantasised, I think, a little bit about what life in the Collingwood forward line would be without Cloak, for better or worse. We'll get to see it in action this week. What do you think the results will be? Worse. Worse. Yeah, I, I think he's. I mean, he he hasn't had the greatest season, 
but he's he's our linchpin and he's our, he's our best forward, mm. um, and he has the ability in a match like this in particular where the doggies are a bit stretched down back and not not dissimilar to what Melbourne were a little while ago. I mean, this is a match he could have grabbed by the scruff of the neck and then the whole team's up and about. So um, I think his loss is massive. Oh, I, I completely agree. Uh, the loss was never was never more evident than seeing um, the ball, I think, on two or three occasions go directly through Brody Grundy's outstretched hand and almost falcon him um, mm. on the weekend. Um, yeah. And a memo to any of the um, Collingwood forward staff, if you're listening, just you know make the diamond with your hand. And the ball kind of falls into it like that. Anyway. I have uh, to say I was very disappointed with Grundy last week. He was really lazy in his disposal and thoughtless about where he kicked it. And very lackadaisical, some of those kicks coming out of the back half. Yeah, just turned the ball over a lot. It's yeah. not often I criticise him, but I was not yeah. happy. Mm. Uh, TD's did... not going to be happy with you. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people had a conversation about the have brought up the Wits Grundy ruck combination again. You obviously missed the Port Adelaide game, GC, um, yeah. but we went in, we went in one probably two players almost too tall for the conditions. Oh, for the wet, wasn't it? Yeah, I read that. Ridiculous. Um, and and Buckley will be hearing about that one day. But um, do do you think that they're showing improvement as a duo? Or I mean, are we are we because we saw Grundy play some stellar football start of the year by himself. Mm. Are, are, are we are we really are we really just taking away from the growth of of what could be a really 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 good ruckman um, to try and indulge the talent we have on our list? Oh, I don't. Th- I think I think uh, I know. I, I I still think these two guys are young enough that that they could easily be up and down anyway and. You need to develop them in tandem, and you need to, because even if, even I think even if ultimately you decide one goes, if if he goes, in a sense of but having shown real potential and having real tradeability, yeah. we'll get a lot more for him. If we sort of cast him aside, people will say, well, you didn't want him, so we're mm-hmm. not going to pay that much for him. So I think, and I think that the option of them both turning into good ruckmen is too tantalising to uh, to give up on. I'll tell you what, though, the, the Adam Trelaw uh, rumour mill is starting to churn. And um, if it is the case, um, then, then wits might be the, the tradable commodity that they're after. Um, gee, you'd hate to see it, but... Yeah, well, that's that, that. I mean, that's one you could... If we dream, then we say, let's get Trelaw and Mason Cox becomes the uh, second ruckman because he's, he's developing at an interesting rate. Absolutely, I, I I actually really enjoy watching him at the uh, in the VFL, and he, he seems to have that uh, that blitzhalves like athletic ability. Um, maybe not the natural footy touch yet, but gee, if we're dreaming, we can dream about Trelaw and and then potentially Dangerfield afterwards. And oh, dreaming, you dream big. Dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Jeremy that... signed up already. <laughs> I'd, I'd sell the farm for Jeremy Cameron. He's a he's a yeah. mega star. Final thoughts on, on or Jesse Hogan. Final thoughts on on this week's game because we are running out of time. Um, I think that I think it's going to be a good showing, but I, I do have an eerie feeling about this. I would say for uh, people of my vintage, go back to Lost in Space and the Robot. Danger, danger, danger. <laughs> I like it. Very good. <laughs> I've never heard of that. <laughs> you didn't see Lost in Space. You haven't seen Lost in Space. Come on. 
Danger, Will Robinson. Sorry. <laughs> Dr. Smith, you know. <laughs> but um, look, hopefully we... Uh, yeah. Hopefully we can get a result this week uh, in both the AFL and the VFL. VFL sixth versus seventh, and AFL uh, calling the Bulldogs ends up being I think eighth versus ninth, or very close to. There's not a lot of points separating us and the Dogs, yeah. um, so it is the proverbial eight point game, um, and we certainly need to win this one if we are interested in playing yeah, finals giving, this year. It is giving a lot of players a huge opportunity, so let's see if they take it. Desperate to win. Mm. Desperate to get a win after four losses. Magpie Girl, thank you for coming on. You've been a, a, a real pleasure tonight. Thank you, Mighty T. And Gone Critical, great to have you back. Thanks, Mighty T. Very enjoyable. Good to be home, sort of. <laughs> I'm, that's only because I like being on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good point. Just before we finish up, please stay tuned for uh, TD's rant this week. Yep, another surprise. Another surprise. Wait, the, the rant is another surprise? Okay, fair enough. I, look, I always look for a quick question. Absolutely. In my absence, did uh, Laurie Holden say anything? Uh, Laurie <laughs> Holden was a guest contributor to last oh. week's podcast. Oh my God, I wouldn't have gone on holiday. You'll have to go back and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> and did you get to listen to the Taylor Adams podcast? I was in Rwanda. Oh, well, it's still on the board. <laughs> and I'm, it's, I'm about to listen. And it's excellent if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, sorry. And before we before we finish up, um, I just want to let everyone know: please keep listening, please keep watching the podcast. We will have a, another special guest within the next week. Magpie Girl has uh, is in the works in the background, just yep, ferreting around. Exclusive. And another exclusive. Um, I was going to give a hint away. Should I give a hint away? Yeah, just a smidge. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd be revisiting the two uh, the, the two grand final teams from early this century and having a look and, yeah, that's all you're going to get. That's all, I'm, that's all I'm willing to give away. But for now, this is the Mighty T signing out. Okay, this is Trade Drafts Round 17 rant. What I'm going to talk about is our forward line because the last couple of weeks have been Letting us down since the Hawthorne game. Yes, against the Hawthorne game we had more scoring shots, but we didn't take advantage of it. Thanks to our key forwards. White did kick early, two early goals, but when the pressure was on, he well wilted in the pressure, just shanked every kick he had. And that's, well, sorry, and the pressure is on. It's when you make your money and you win games and you let us down. Cloak, as usual, then kick straight. He kicked one six. Yes, he kicked a goal of the year contender with that one goal, but he missed six. I'll say four, five of those, five or four of those were gettable. And when you lose by nine points against the best team in the comp, that hurts. That really does hurt. That we didn't win that game because of white knocking strike and cloak kicking shit house at one six. Then we went to Port Adelaide and. Same thing, our forward line didn't work really well. So, Cloak did absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And what did nothing? And in terms of the Hawthorne game, Elliot was another who hasn't done anything. But we found out before the Fremantle West Coast game that um, he was having carrying 
an injury. So that might explain Elliot's injury. But in the West Coast game, I followed failed to fire. But maybe even worse was Cloak went down. So our full line is probably looking a bit weak at the moment. But maybe this is a chance to breathe new life to our full line with fair players, potential players coming in in Kinesis as a medium for Elliot and Darcy Moore as a tall fort. Yes, Moore is still very young and probably hasn't got the body to play out but I still think he can contribute. Maybe kick a goal or two and just just put pressure on and pressure. That's what the forward line we try to do next. Keep the pressure on the forward line, so that'd be great. So hopefully our forward line won't be too bad and we can get back on the winning list finally this week against West the Bulldogs on Sunday. Yeah.